Hi mate Sam and welcome to another 9320 Transfer Talk podcast. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Lee as I have been most weeks this summer. So welcome Sam. Hello. How are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny how it can change. Honestly, when I said last night would do it, I thought this was going to be grim. Really <laughs> grim. But yeah, it's like it's like during the season, right? When doing a podcast after City win, it's easy. I can write anything on Twitter. I can come on here, say what I want, and everyone's in a good mood. It doesn't matter. If City lose, it's a pain. And if and if it was the same with Alves. It's, but like the mood, obviously, now by the time people listen to this, they'll know the Walker thing's done. It it should be a, it should be a a lot better podcast to, to do. A lot more. Well, it'll probably be enjoyable anyway. But yeah, it should be entertaining. Well, look, you've just you've uh, raised the spectre of Alves, and I guess it sort of even ties into the opening question about what does it mean. Uh, to be confident from a club's perspective in terms of a deal being done? Yeah, um, I thought it would be a good way to start on this because I think there was a... Yeah, this was it yesterday. So when I did the story yesterday about Walker, um, Baspers wanted 50 million for Walker, I I think City Chief... I kind of condensed it and said, um, you know, City is still confident. Someone replied going, for God's sake, City's confidence now, and it's it's a valid point. It's what do you make of of that confidence now? Is it misplaced? Obviously, in the wake of what happened with Alves, is City's confidence misplaced? So I thought it'd be a good place to start off um, and basically explain the whole thing. So it's not as if you know, like the City press officer comes to me or or other colleagues or whatever and say, "Yeah, just just put we're confident and that'll be fine." It's it's in my case, saying that you're confident, and it's probably something I'm going to not do now because it's been the case all summer. It's been a very confident summer for them, and whether they've been right or wrong. But it's just the best way I can put across the belief that you know, and the certainty with which the people I speak to are talking to me about City's targets. So I think I said before. Like ages ago on one of these podcasts, it may have even been before the season had even ended. Um, you asked you asked me for this. It might have even been in two. You asked me for my opinion on Alexis coming to City, and mm. probably back in April, I think I said seventy percent, something like that. Mm. But in my, in in fact, yeah, in May, um, I was talking to somebody who knows what's going on. Um, face-to-face, which is normally the best way of doing things. And he said City were 90% confident. I'm pretty sure I've said that on, on one of your podcasts. You have indeed. So 90% confidence. And again, if it was up to me, I'd be like, wow, that is that is high. You know, you've got to sort, you've got to sort out a deal with Arsenal. But when I write a story, it's not me writing what I think. It's me writing what City think. You know, it's the fact as I'm, as I'm told them, or I have to decide if they're reliable enough or if they are facts. And in this case... I've decided that you know these guys are reliable enough. Since then, I think I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but that's gone up. And somebody else has told me the city you're ninety five percent confident of getting Alexis. And now you just think again, that's just mad because all lo- logic and common sense suggests Arsenal aren't going to sell him easily. And I mean, unless they've got an in- encouragement from Arsenal that look, we'll get Lacazette, we'll get Lamar, and we'll do it eventually, but. Seen as it's Wenger in the driving seat, and he's look how stubborn he's been with his own future. 
like that just dragged on for months at the end of the season where he was, oh, I'll tell you soon, I'll tell you soon, I've made a decision. And then he just went, oh, I'm staying. And then they went, right, you're having a director of football. And he's gone, no, I'm not. So you can't imagine he's going to be any, any more flexible with City. So in terms of the confidence, like I say, it's, it's not just a technique that is dreamt up by a press, co- a press officer just to say, look, yeah, we're not going to tell you the fee, et cetera, et cetera but we are confident. It's, it's genuinely the best way I could put across or the best way that I thought before I could put across the way that these people talk about some of these, these deals. And then feeding into that is a bit of an explanation of how and why City think that, the way, they, the way they're so sure of everybody and the way they're so sure of, obviously this included Alves, but the way they're so sure about Walker has obviously now been agreed. Mendy, which sounds close. Um, Bertrand, which is not a priority, but you know they are still looking at it. Um, and Alexis too. They're confident again that they will get them because the way they look at it is this. And I don't know if this is how tra- all clubs do their business, but City, they they agree terms with the players first. And as we've said before about tapping up, you know that pretty much always happens. They may not agree a fee, but there'll be some kind of intermediary for the club speaking to an intermediary for the player and going, will he come? And if he goes, yes, and they go, right, will he accept this, this and this? And that gets drawn up and that takes ages. And there's agent fees and players' fees and wages and bonuses. And obviously the way City do their wages, they pay basic, a relatively low basic figure, but a higher in bonus. And that takes ages. So basically City have done that with four or five players this summer. And for that reason, after that, the figure they say then, and this is City, the figure they say is they're 80% of the way towards the transfer. 80% of the transfer, in City's opinion, is getting the player signed up. Does that, just a slight digression, but when you say that they, for example, let's use let's use Walker because it's more or less done. Let's use Walker as an example. So City have remained confident over the last sort of three or four months that they can get that deal done is there an implication that there isn't really anybody else at the table for that particular player um yeah again i've i've reported this i've probably said it on on here i've probably even tweeted it as well but the what i was told again this was in in may before the season had ended i think or just after um the feeling with city is if they don't get Walker and Mendy, it's not because they're going to Chelsea or United or Bayern Munich. It's because the club just say, no, we're not selling and just flat out refuse. Um, and then, the, again, there have been reports that Liverpool looked at Mendy probably about a month ago now, maybe two or three weeks. And they came back, they went, oh, well, he's going to City. And Tutto Sport, and I don't know if Tutto Sport are any good, but they had the same story with Juve. They said Juve looked at getting Mendy and they came back and went, oh, no, he's going to City. So, I mean, these are these agreements have clearly been in place for some time, and yeah, as far as City are concerned, the player isn't going to go anywhere else. Obviously, maybe that's changed. Maybe now Bagheerasan's thinking, "God, we need to get these wrapped up because of what's happened with Alves." Because again, presumably they've gone, "Well, he's not going to go anywhere else. He's agreed with us. We've let him enjoy his holiday, and we'll be all right." Obviously, that may have had a bit of a knock-on to how they think now, and they. And they're thinking, God, we don't really want to risk losing these players hmm. to anybody else. But yeah, there's nobody. There's nobody been in the picture. Somebody asked me about Bayern Munich going in for Walker recently, and I said, even 
even if he decided to go there, could you imagine a world where Bayern Munich would pay more for an English player than City would? It's just not going to happen, is it? Bayern Munich aren't going to pay 50, 60 million for, for, for an English right back. Mm. It's just not going to happen. But yeah, there's just nobody really linked with these players because they're basically tied up for, tied up for City. Okay. Now, just in terms of the, the, the Alves deal, now, so that we're... So that, I don't want to dwell on it, but very quickly... Um, is it fair to say that that's something that has literally blindsided the club? Yeah. Well, was it two or three weeks ago when I said on Twitter, Alves is basically done. And again, it was City Chief again, and they said, um, Sammy Goal says it's a done deal. I just went, why have you said it's a done deal? Like, it's just a terrible phrase. <laughs> it, it generally only ends badly. I was like, look, it is basically done. I'm happy with that. You know, it, the, the contract's agreed. City are expecting him. Fine. It's, it's basically done. But just don't say done deal. It's a bad thing. But anyway, a couple of weeks later, going into last week, even I was like, look, it is done. Um, I'd heard from my sources who I 100% trust even more than necessarily what I'm hearing from, you know, the press office sometimes. I think it's a it's a more honest reflection, whether it's a good news or bad news. Um, so when I'd heard, obviously, that he'd agreed with City, and he's agreed with City, I agreed on the Monday after we did the news on the Saturday. I think he'd probably agreed it long before that. I think he'd been an option since April. Mm. So, yeah, he he told City he was coming. Um, and again, when, once you get to hear stuff on Friday, and this is before the PSG stuff came out, when you get to hear stuff on Friday that he'd had lunch with Guardiola, in Barcelona, you think, yeah, okay, this is fine. And and this has been reported by the Manchester Union News, and it's a bit of a personal blow for me as well. City City had planned for Danny Alves to do a sit-down interview with journalists in LA. So I was going to be in a room, because in LA, a lot of other journalists, because United are playing in that week in City, have got a few days off. So a lot of other Manchester journalists are with United, but there's going to be about four or five of us just covering City. And mm. the plan was to sit down with Danny Alves in a room in LA and have a long interview where we could all ask questions. And it's not a mix zone. It's not quotes given to the club and emailed to us. It was a proper sit-down interview on everything. And it would have been like, well, I don't know about this, but it would knowing pre-season sit-downs, it would have been just all subjects. And it would have been great. That's wow. how sure City were that it was happening. Okay. So if you so, were... If if you were going to apportion any type of... Do you think there's any blame to be apportioned at City? Do you think there's a there's an argument for, obviously, the uh, the Bagheristine out crowd who are very, very loud um, take every opportunity to lambast him? Um, I'm curious, just from your point of view, do you think in some way somebody at City failed here or is that just life? Um, well, I did, a, I did a long piece on Alves the other day kind of where it went wrong and what happens next. But I didn't I didn't even broach the subject of um of whose fault it might be. Um I didn't reply to some guy on Twitter who asked, but I I I really don't think I mean look, probably now they will in future, if they get into this situation again, they'll probably get somebody over to Brazil and put a contract in front of him and say we'll sign this. Or they'll say, all right, well, if you want to join, then enough of your holidays. Can you fly in? We'll do it. And you can fly off again. 
like you know, Nolito last year, as soon as Spain were out of the Euros, I think he flew in, signed, and went on his holiday. Yeah. Maybe they could, maybe they could kind of do that in the middle of someone's holiday. So they, so this doesn't happen again. Um, and I mean, that does make sense, doesn't it? And if they had done that, they would have had Alves. But I'm, I don't think City have had a mayor. It was all agreed, um, and it wasn't just agreed, but they also had the extra confidence of, well, Alves wants to come and play in the Premier League and he wants to play for Guardiola, which is why Juventus agreed to cancel his contract in the first place. I doubt Juve would have cancelled his contract if he said, I want to go and join PSG for free. They'd have said, F off. No way. Are you having a laugh? To go mm. and pick? It's like, Surely not. I, I really don't buy that. So City were really, again, confident, but they really thought it was going to happen, not, not just because he'd said, yeah, I'll, I'll join and these are the terms I'll join with, but because you know he wanted to play for Guardiola again and presumably they, they thought that with the Guardiola bond, he, he, he wouldn't go and speak to another club and, and make another decision. So I, I don't think City have made a serious error in judgment. Obviously, it would have been better if they'd have just flown a contract to Brazil and got him to sign it. But I don't, of all of City's, you know, if, Cheeky's errors over the last couple of years, or the the few years, you know, Mangala and maybe Otamendi and people like that. I'm I'm not going to lump this down as a major error on his part. And to be honest, I don't really blame Alves either. I mean, the the biggest problem is he's gone back on his word, and that is a shitty thing to do. But he's just got married. If his wife says, "Come on, can we go and live in Paris?" He'd be like, mm, "Okay." You know, it's an emotional kind of time. The money's mad. I don't hugely blame him. I wish he hadn't because it would have made my life easier. But I don't, you know, I can understand. I can understand the the thinking kind of thing. So I don't really, I don't really blame him. I don't really blame City. It's just one of those things, really. It could have been handled better by all parties, but yeah, it's one of them. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's talk about Kyle Walker because obviously <laughs> a fee has been agreed, and yes, you yes. know, happy days. Listen, actually, what I wanted to ask you was. Are you surprised? And the reason that I ask that is simply because it, we've said in previous podcasts that Sanchez and Walker felt like the two deals that would be protracted potentially into August because of the nature of Daniel Levy and the nature of, of buying from Arsenal. So are you surprised? And is this a reaction to the Alves thing? Or is it more a case of just privately... City always had in their mind, this is the week where we land the quote-unquote structural signings. I think it's probably a bit of both, isn't it? Because we must have said, well, in fact, we did say last week we did a podcast and I think we said if they haven't signed anyone by next Wednesday, I'd start to worry. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, obviously Alves was going to be one of them, but shit happens. Um, sorry, I'll try not to swear because one bloke replied to the 9320 pod the other week on Twitter and said, I listened to these with my kids and I'd never thought of that before. So I'll try not to swear now because I know kids listen. But um, yeah, obviously Alves was one of them, but then it did get past that Wednesday and you think it's not looking great. But we did always say that they they were going to make this push. Obviously, they've been making God knows how many pushes after Ederson was done. They hoped to do another two or three. Uh, sorry, another one or two. Um, after the internationals at the end of well, the start of June, they hoped to make the push and they never got there. And then they hoped to make the push now before the preseason. So it was obviously always in the plan. And you know, I'm sure City would want to get the deals done long before now if they could. Um, so I think they were always going to want to get it done. But I do think, having said it's a bit of both, I do think the Alves thing has probably added a bit of urgency. Mm. Um, they thought, look, we 
maybe maybe they worry about how it looks. Maybe they worry about fans going over the top and going into a bit of a meltdown. Maybe they don't. But I would imagine they'd think, God, we have missed out on Alves. We didn't expect that. We cannot miss out on Walker. And as we said way back, City are going to basically spend what they have to on on these priorities because it's what Guardiola wants and they can't have another season with a squad that isn't quite what Guardiola wants because if this Guardiola project's going to work, then he needs the players and these are the players that he wants. So after the Alves blow, it was probably a bit of a kick up the backside to say, we need to get on with this. Mm. So yeah, they always wanted to get it done before America and I think Alves probably helped that along. Okay. Um, The fee itself, uh, somewhere around forty-five million pounds, rising to depending on who you believe, fifty or fifty-five. Um, in this summer's market, where does that sit for you? Yeah, it's a lot. That um, is it. It is a. It is a lot. Um, but again, City City needed it needed it to happen. Um, they they needed to pay what they needed to pay because I'm sure they may have been able to get another fallback from elsewhere, maybe one that was cheaper. And I know a lot of people have said, I'll get Samedo. But look, Walker, whatever people think of him, he can do it in the Premier League. He's English, which is hugely important. City need an English player. So that is just, you know, he ticks that box. He can do it in the Premier League. He's not so much of a risk. Um, he's had a couple of very good seasons and I suppose he's as much of a ready-made signing as you can get. Um, so 50 million, it does strike me as a lot, but in this market where 40 seems to be the new baseline for, for good players, Bakayoko, for example, at Monaco, you know, if, 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 if Chelsea had spent 40 million on Bakayoko last summer, it probably would have been seen as a lot but now it's just yeah fair enough so I think Walker it does sound a lot but this is just I think it's just the reality these days mm. and again City City have got the money so fine if they want to spend it they can but to me it makes sense to go for somebody who is as much of a surefire thing as is possible to get and given he's English and he knows the Premier League and also the positional play model that he's he's played with with Pochettino that's going to help as well so 50 million yeah it sounds a lot but fair enough, it's probably what they needed to do and they've done it. And also, the one thing that you, that you didn't mention in there is that fundamentally, it's clearly he's been Guardiola's priority signing at, yeah. in the right-back position. And, you know, for better or for worse, you'd think that Pep knows what Pep needs more than I know or Steve from Moston or wherever on Twitter knows. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of... Of course, we've all got our opinions on, you know, whether you rate a player or you don't rate a player, but I think fundamentally particularly this summer where it's very clear that Guardiola's got targets and they're his targets, they're priorities that he wants, that we should kind of get behind him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and also, let's put it another way, if if they do get all their priorities and next season doesn't go well, then that is then that is then on Guardiola because it was, it, was it was his players. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. Um, okay, so Walker's more or less done. Ben Mendy, tomorrow? Hmm. Christ. Um, I know you're you know putting timelines on things. But... <laughs> yeah, especially tomorrow is a timeline. Um, 
Well, in again, just in the spirit of they want to get things done before pre-season, then may I mean maybe before Monday. I think I think you've I think you've heard some some good news on that. Judging by your Twitter, I've. I've had a bit of encouragement that it could be soon, but like I said yesterday, and this was just more of an example of how mad the transfer market is. Wednesday, I heard he was already signed at City and from somebody I didn't entirely trust or at least needed to still work out. I hope they don't listen to this podcast. Well, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Thursday, Thursday, I was told he's staying. And then the guy who told me yesterday that he was staying told me today, I, I checked... So when, when are they going on pre-season? He went tonight. I went, all right, is Mendy still staying? He went, oh, I don't know. I keep hearing a lot of different things. And I was like, oh, come on. Hold on. Did um, you just say that Monaco are going away tonight? Yeah, they're pre-season tonight. But I think they're only going to Switzerland. I think it's Switzerland. So does it make any, does it make any difference if they fly them in from, from Basel or, or Monaco? Not really. No, but from a, man, from a manager's point of view, maybe, you know, Maybe Jardim, if if Mendy is going, is probably thinking, I don't need this clown around. You know, if he's going, he should go. Um, well, maybe, I mean, I think they'd be happy to keep him as well. So, by the way, when I say clown, have you do you follow him on Instagram? Yeah, it's mad. It's mad how much he's tweeting and and Instagramming like during training. Isn't it? It's but, crazy, man. He's proper the new Balotelli. If we get yeah. him, he's a Definitely, what you would put in the uh, character basket, if uh, yes, if that makes sense. Uh, but, I no. mean, uh, Monaco would be happy to keep him, but yeah, in this kind of spirit of getting things done, maybe it works for Monaco as well to go look. If maybe they're talking now, maybe they finalise it tonight or tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. because it sounds like Walker was done this morning, just to just to go to show that transfers are worked on. At any hour, basically. So maybe tonight or tomorrow, that will be the cutoff for that. So, I mean, maybe it'll be soon. But again, this confidence that you've got. Mendy was one of the ones that they were trying to do soon after Silver and Aderson. So as much as, as much as I, God, completely trust my, my best sources, like 100%, and I've been 100% happy with what they've told me this summer, and by extension, everything I've said, whether that's Alves or not. Um, but after Alves, I am just thinking a bit, well, they have been trying for a few weeks, so let's just see how it goes with Mendy. It sounds good. It sounds good, but I'm certainly not putting. I'm certainly not going to say it's tomorrow. Let's see. Mm, to quote somebody who I think is probably very, very close to what's going on on a day-to-day basis, they said this afternoon Mendy is very, very close, possibly tomorrow. So that's why I put tomorrow down as a time. Oh, okay. Because I think- well, I'd, I'd heard very, very close last Wednesday. I think it was. So it's just it's just one of them. But I mean, they must. I'm presuming. I'm presuming we're speaking to different guys. So maybe it's just different information. But we'll see. Yeah. No. But now that you've got this sense of urgency, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and also the I, you always feel like with City that maybe there's a maybe there'll be a domino effect this summer. Anyway, um, do you think that the so the the Alves situation the the the, the I guess the the side of it that I find quite interesting is actually just, you know, we, we, we constantly live on the edge in terms of the number of foreign players that we have in the squad as opposed to homegrown players for Champions League squad purposes. Um, let's say for argument's sake that, that City decide that they're not going to go after 
an other right back and they will find cover from within the squad or they will play three at the back more often. So maybe be less of the need every game for a for an orthodox right back. Is there a positive effect that the Alves Alves not coming can have elsewhere? Or do you think the 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 planning is so kind of like laser like that if Alves doesn't come, it's not really going to change anything? Well, first and foremost, I think I don't think City have dodged a bullet, which I've seen it suggested, and I don't think City um, are better off without Alves. I think it would have been perfect. Um, I really do. Um, I think I think there will be knock-ons in terms of what else they they can do and what else they spend, or at least maybe just wherever where the money comes from. Um, I, I look. They were set on getting four right backs and it's going to be difficult I think because I'd I'd find it very hard to imagine that given they were pretty certain they were going to sign Alves since about April and obviously they thought they were going to get Walker as well I'd find it hard to imagine that they've done any kind of legwork on whoever else they might get so and as I as I say if they if they see a transfer as 80% done once they've got the personal terms agreed and how long that takes if they go for Semedo or Aurier or Henriks or whoever, it's it's not going to be quick, is it? So I'm I'm still inclined to think they are going to get a fourth fullback because that has been the plan all along. Mm. Um and you just you just can't go through a season with one. Um if if I don't know, if Navas had have stayed, maybe they there wouldn't be such such a problem, even though he's he's nowhere near the level as a right back of any of the others I've just mentioned. And I haven't even seen Semedo play, but I'd imagine he's better than, than, <laughs> than Navas. Um, I, I still think they'll, they'll get, they'll get the four. I think, I do think it was a blow missing out on Alves and it's, it's the same kind of thing last summer. They couldn't get Laporte. They couldn't get Bonucci. And then there was just, there was either they decided they, they didn't want to get anybody else because they weren't suitable or there was just nobody else around. Hmm. I suppose that's the same thing. And they ended up using Kolarov all season. Well, not all season, but often as a centre-back. And you can see the kind of compromise you have to make. So, see, I think they might find it a bit difficult to get a fourth fullback, but I'm sure they are going to want to try and find one from somewhere. Do you want to try and speculate as to sort of the... Because Alva seemed like the perfect signing in terms of both profile and fee, because obviously he was a free... And because of his profile, because of his age, maybe he's not going to expect to play every single game. Is it really... So let me rephrase the question. Is it really realistic to be targeting Semedo or Henriks or a guy like guys like that that are going to be costing upwards of £35 million because you're an English club mm. who's come knocking and they're going to want to play football? I, I, I don't think... Well, this is it. I don't think it's going to be easy to... To, to get somebody well it's not going to be easy to get anybody like Alves it's impossible um, but they may have to change the profile of what they want and again I think Alves would have been perfect because of all of his experience and his quality and everything you just mentioned I do think that would have been the perfect sign and it would have been ideal and I've already written a feature which would have been published as soon as he signed but never mind <laughs> um, so, but I mean just but just in terms of wanting four fullbacks maybe they maybe they look and get somebody um, who's just a completely different profile, somebody who's younger. Um, and maybe they do have to spend the money and whether they take the money from, as I put on Twitter earlier, well, I, the other day I thought maybe it, it affects a centre-back, but I think 
it's more likely to affect the the bonus in inverted commas signing of Mbappe or Dembele that they would look at. Or maybe they just spend more and maybe they sell an extra player or put fees up for some of their players or or just, just spend more and take a hit on, I don't know, a 200, 220 million net spend. Um, but I, I just think City want four fullbacks and they will get a body in. Maybe okay. they will. Maybe they'll find somebody who's cheaper for for left back and discount Bertrand and get a free left back. I, I, God knows who. I mean, I'm, it's not going to be Bardstube. I'd be surprised if it was Bardstube, but somebody more like that. And maybe they'll shake up the plan and get somebody who's who was further down the list for a left back, but is cheaper. And then they could maybe not spend 30 odd million on Bertrand, but they could get a right back is 30 million. Maybe that's how they'll look at it. But I mean, Bertrand is still a target, but these are just the kind of things that city will be talking about now, because as I say, their plans have been in place for so long, not getting Alves, it is going to force a bit of a rethink. And for me, certainly uh, it's well for, for anybody really, it's, it's surely too early to, to know exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. Look, <clears throat> I want to talk about something very briefly that we've spoken about on on previous podcasts, and it's something that that um, my parent now raised, and that's the idea that you know this summer there's kind of there's two sets of transfers. There are structural transfers, and then there are the others. In terms of the structural transfers, just so that we're, if we're ticking boxes off, is would four fullbacks be part of the structural transfer setup, or would it be two fullbacks and then the extra two go into the? Uh... I've I've never really been able to make this concrete distinction because the the kind of overall priorities in terms of the positions and including Aderson and Silva was those two fullbacks and a forward and obviously the forward is Alexis mm. but but then within that the absolute priority were Walker and Mendy and then below that they still wanted four but it's not like they're players who are going to come in and make a massive difference to to the squad or their ability to challenge at the top level. I think Alves would have, but I don't think that's going. To, I don't think they'll find a right back now who can do that. And Bertrand is obviously a player they want, um, but you know he's not going to come in and be the best left back in the league, the best left back in Europe, the difference maker. So they do want the four, and I, it's always been difficult to make the distinction because the fullback position is priority um and they want four um and they you know i was told last week there was 100 percent of them getting four but that was before alves um so it's it's always difficult for me to make this distinction i'm not sure if there even is one um i, I would imagine if i'm going into speculation territory i would imagine that they do want four because they haven't they haven't got any so it's not like they want four and they'll sell one they've already got they just haven't got any yeah 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 um is a centre back a structural signing? Um, well, again, this is this is this changes a lot. Um, so the first thing I did on the centre backs was Van Dijk was the top target if they decide to go for a centre back. And again, as I said earlier, I'm 100 percent happy with everything I've written this summer because I'm 100 percent happy with my sources. Obviously, but it, I made clear in that article that it wasn't certain that they were going to get Van Dijk. And whereas they've agreed feed with the others, sorry, agreed fees in personal terms, 
they hadn't, you know, they hadn't got that far with the centre back. It was all kind of up in the air, and it depended on things like how the fullbacks come along, how Alexis comes along, the money they have to spend, you know, the budget and this kind of thing, and amortization and all that kind of thing, mm. and um, and whether there was, you know, whether there was somebody on the market who was suitable at the time, which was it was end of May, beginning of June. It was Van Dijk. Um, obviously, within a couple of days, he made it clear, or somebody made it clear, I still don't know, that he wanted to go to Liverpool. So as far as I know, Van Dijk is now off the table. Um, so but then it changed in mid-May. There, around that time that it was rumoured that there was a player at the CFA on that Friday. I think that might have turned out just to be Eric Garcia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but around that day, that was when I was told that, look, a centre-back has moved up the agenda. And it's going to happen. So I'm not sure if it was seen as structural, as, as you put it, or as, or as Marty Perrinow puts it, in the same sense as... I don't think it was a priority at the start of the summer. Got you. It was, it was the fullbacks and Alexis and obviously Silver and Aderson. And then they would see what's happened. And as I said from the outset, whatever happens with the centre-back depends on how much money they're spending, which is why I thought Alves might have had a bit of a knock-on because... Just because you know their plans are now different, but it it seems like they're still looking for this centre back, and also it depends on who's on the market at, at the time they decide to pull the trigger. And obviously, by the time they had decided to look, Van Dijk had said he was going to go elsewhere, and Southampton say they want sixty million, which they're not going to pay. So, I don't think it was structural in terms of it was absolute priority at the start of the summer. But I do think, my, my, my own personal opinion, I do think it's very important that they get one. And if they do get one, and he's a good player that fits the profile they want, I'm sure we'll discuss the profile shortly, then I think it's well worth doing and they should do it. Okay. Um, no, we won't dis- discuss the profile of, of the centre-backs because I feel as though, one, we've, we've been there. And also, yeah, you know why. Um, yeah, yeah. In, ter- in terms of... Yeah. Uh, in terms of... The rest of the window now. Oh, God, let's, yeah. okay. let's let's work on the basis that. How, so, how confident do you feel on Mendy? Because sitting here now, I feel incredibly confident. I'm I'm almost talking about that transfer in my head. I feel like it's done. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but I just feel particularly. Look, if they can get Walker over the line with Daniel Levy, they're going to get. They're yeah. Gonna get, um, they're going to get Mendy over the line with Monaco. Um, so. Pushing forward from that, that's what four players with with Aderson and Silva um, that cover kind of key structural areas within the squad. Isn't it funny how your your I guess your your, your view on the transfer window can change so quickly? Because really, forty eight hours ago, when the Alves stuff is breaking, I'm sort of sitting there and I'm going. Publicly, this looks a bit embarrassing because of what happened with Laporte. And on top of that, we we are, you know, we these are key targets that we need to land and we've just lost the backup right back. Whereas mm. now, sitting here, I go, well, that's four out of, what, six, seven maybe to come? Yeah, well, can I... You well, I just want to say fair play to you for, for going balls out on Mendy because if you'd had the mentions that I've had over the last 48 hours, That's there's no way I'm going to be as confident about Mendy until, oh God, I don't, I don't know what I'd need to see. <laughs> I, I always, you know, I always, 
I always rolled my eyes whenever I saw people on Twitter or forums or whatever say until they're in a shirt or holding up a scarf. I don't believe it. And I always rolled my eyes and go, come on, lads. You know when things are done. <laughs> but now after Alves, I'm starting to think the same kind of thing. As soon as I know Walker's at the CFA and Mendy's at the CFA, that is kind of when I'm going to start going balls out again. Um, but yeah, it is funny how things change. Um, but that's just the nature of it. And tra- um, transfers are so secretive. Um, and nobody, you know, nobody, nobody knows what every move a club's making. I think we're very lucky this summer. Uh, I mean, me and you particularly, that, that we've had, we've had good information. Um, I've, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm 100% happy with everything I've had, whether it was Van Dyke or the Bonucci situation or other, like Fabinho or the players that are coming. Obviously, Alves being done and all this and it all being agreed. This is information that if you look at who United are trying to sign, I'm so glad I don't have to cover who United are trying to sign because one minute it's Morata and everyone's writing the articles, oh, what Morata's going to bring to the Premier League would be a great signing. And then it's Lukaku. And then it's going to be Matic. And all of a sudden they go, oh, maybe uh, Matic is just a, a cover for Eric Dyer. And you just think, I don't know what is going on with United. I haven't got a clue. And I've, you know, I feel I can read the media quite well hmm. and, and, you know, kind of get to the bottom of things just and what's true and what isn't by what's being said. But it's really difficult. And Chelsea, again whether they want these targets or not, or whether they're missing out on them, nobody knows. And Liverpool, again, there's a few names floating around and they seem to get close to Van Dijk and it falls apart. I think we've been really lucky, me and you, that we've had good info from City and a lot of it as well, like very detailed in terms of not just the players they want, but how they're being pursued and and the plan. But even so, even with all that, it goes back to the original point. It's very difficult. It's impossible to know exactly what's happening and they might be shaking hands or shaking or exchanging whatsapp emojis fist bumps now <laughs> over, over mendy right and we're not gonna we're not gonna know yet and city might be saying right drag that scouting file up for nelson Semedo because we were looking at him in february and barca are signing him now so get your ass in gear start a facebook sorry start a whatsapp group with his agent and cheeky and someone from benfica we're gonna we're gonna get him. We don't we don't know. Um, but this is this is how things can change. Like you say, forty eight hours ago it was doom and gloom. Um, now now it looks great again, and and this is it. Um, I've I've I could have written, I could have capitalised on that kind of doom and gloom feeling and written what is going on with City. There's you know is there a problem? Um, fortunately, I wasn't pressured into that by my editors, and I didn't necessarily feel like I wanted to do it or needed to do it because as much as I don't want to sound arrogant and obviously I've just I do sound very humble I want to sound very humble because obviously what's happened with Alves I certainly don't want to come across as me saying I, I'm reliable that's for the people to decide but I'm happy with the information I've got but even so I just don't know where they're at with Walker and Mendy so mm-hmm. yeah the, City are always working on it and maybe I'm giving them too much credit because of you know the kind of failings that Cheeky has had over the last few years or the bad business or whatever. But I am convinced they want to get the players Guardiola's identified. And whether they turn out to be the right fit or not, we know who they want to sign. And we know that they're going to do all they can to get these players. So it's kind of a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of 
well, knowledge of the targets and a knowledge of the situation, and the, and the two marry up. Um, but yeah, it looks as I've said all summer. Today it looks good. It looks very good today. <laughs> That's the most and, important thing. But but you know, all summer today it looks good. Tomorrow it looks it looks bad. It's 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 just one of those. Um, as much as, as much as we know. No, but again, just just going back to this, the rumors on Twitter and the the people telling me yesterday um, that Mendy was going to stay. And you know, I didn't, I didn't believe that sufficiently to write an article on it. And that's my job to to come up with the to decide who's reliable and who isn't. Um, but it, one day you think Walker's not going to sign, and the next day you do, and it's just it's up and down all the time. And I'm probably waffling a bit now, but yeah, it looks it looks good today. Um, but my basic point is, as much as as much as we know, and as much as other people, you know, Sky and the Mail or the Mirror, whoever as much as they've been able to report on the targets and give good updates, and especially on the Lexus as well, there's been a lot in other newspapers. Um, it's impossible to know. It's impossible mm. to know exactly what's going on. But I do think City fans are lucky that in the media, there has been a lot of information about City's targets because that has not been the case at any other top club in England this summer. Do you think that that's a bad thing? Do you think for the club themselves, they would view that as an irritation, the fact that, I mean, you can write them down and we've been able to write them down with the exception of, of um, Silva, who sort of came out of left field. Mm. I mean, Aderson, Walker, Mendy, Sanchez, that's, they're the key, key, key targets. And, and they've been pretty, you know, they've been telegraphed pretty, yeah, pretty strongly. So do you think, do you think that would bother City? Uh, not majorly. I can't imagine Cheeky's that bothered. Um, but I... Just in just in the way that City wanted to, obviously they wanted to get Silver done. If 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 City could have announced on six o'clock on that Friday night that Bernardo Silver had signed and nobody had seen it coming, they would have been absolutely delighted with that. And I'm sure in an ideal world, they would want that. Every club would want that with all of their targets, and that is pretty much the case this summer with a lot of other clubs. Um, so I mean, it, it may bother some people at City. May, maybe even just the content team who would rather. You know, the, because more hits, more hits for them. If all of a sudden they go, oh, by the way, lads, we've signed, we've signed Bernardo Silva, and nobody had reported it. Mm. Imagine, imagine the flow of traffic to that website. Mm. But um, we know, but obviously everyone kind of knew by then, so it kind of gets, it kind of gets um, diluted a bit. So I'm sure they would want to keep things as quiet as possible, but it's just not really been possible in summer. Okay, um, I want to do some of the questions that we've got from Twitter because we've got loads of them. Mm. Um, I'll try. And- some of them are funny. Some of them are, we're going to go with. We're going to we're going to go with a few funny ones as well. Is Danny Alves going to be a weasel in his next life or a snake? <laughs> as I say, I don't know. Fair fair play to him. He's <laughs> well, not fair play to him because I, I do think it's shitty to go back on your word. But I can understand the decision he's made. Oh no, totally. I think uh, just going back to that, I didn't get to mention it before. Look, I think that for for anybody in any walk of life, no matter what the situation is, no matter what word you've given, because it ain't final till it's final. Do you know what I mean? There's the, He's not contracted by City. He can say to Pep, yeah, I'm definitely coming. His agent can say to Bergerstein, this is the amount of money that we want. But the reality is in any walk of life, if somebody rings you up and goes, well, I know that you sort of committed to that other place, but you've not signed yet. I'll give you twice what they're paying you. Mm. And you can come and live in a better city. You know, it's, yeah, I, I understand. Uh, okay, a serious question. I like this question, actually. Nick Brown War asks, um, a description of the dynamic between the protagonists at City, as in how do Pep, Cheeky, Soriano and Khaldun 
influence a specific transfer. Now, obviously, you, you're not going to know in detail because nobody knows except those gentlemen themselves. But in your opinion, how do you think that dynamic and that flow works? Well, in terms of the dynamic, unfortunately, I can give I can give a bit of insight on this. I don't know. Yeah, again, I don't know how it affects a specific transfer. Um, but I do know that they've all got a very good relationship. And I think there is a bit of tension at City sometimes because I think there's I think there's a Spanish group and an English group. And, you know, Brian Marwood's still got a lot of influence. I, think, I can't remember the guy's name. There's someone else on the board, um, an English guy who's got a lot of influence as well. And it's not like they're at loggerheads all the time. But I, I, I do think they were kind of two different groups. Um, but in terms of Guardiola feeling happy at City – He's obviously got a very good relationship with Cheeky and Ferran from Barcelona, but he apparently gets on with Caldoun. He's got an excellent relationship with Caldoun, apparently. It, they're more like friends. Um, I think, what, what was it? I can't remember when it was, but at, at some point, whether it was towards the end of the season, maybe after March, you know, the, with the Monaco thing, Guardiola was not like, joked with Caldoun. He was like, oh, sack me then. But the the kind of thing you'd the kind of thing you'd say to a mate rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. going in, going into a boss going well go on then sack me you know he was it was it was a joke they've got an excellent relationship and apparently he he gets on with Caldoun better than he gets on with Ferran and him and Ferran have gone back years and it's not that they don't get on it's just this is just how well he gets on with Caldoun um, in terms of the structure um, Caldoun explained it himself in that end of season interview. Um, it was back at the start of the year, Guardiola and the, the, the scouting recruitment team, whatever, they come up with a list of targets. And then I think it must be, um, I don't know at which point, you know, who comes first in this little flow diagram, but Cheeky and Ferran kind of sign it off. And then it goes to Caldoun and then Caldoun goes, oh, okay, yeah. And then I think Caldoun then goes to the shake, I think, and says, these are the targets. Um, but this is this is just me trying to remember what Caldoun himself said on that end of season video. So if anyone actually wants to know exactly what, I think he was on part one of of his end of season interview that they released at the end of May. So they can go and have a look at that mm. themselves. So that's that's how that's how kind of target is signed off. In terms of who does the negotiating? So for example, let's say that obviously there is a negotiation process that needs to be gone through before you can agree a fee with Spurs for um, for for Kyle Walker. Who's Who's signing off on the money in the sense that is that Bergerstein talking to Daniel Levy or would it be Ferran talking to Daniel Levy? And who decides how far City can go with that particular transfer? Like, is that stuff fluid? Well, this is it. I mean, I've got to be honest. I don't I don't know how how City's transfers actually work. I kind of know the outcomes or, mm. you know, someone could tell me, oh yeah, Mendy's looking good or um, Alexis is looking good. And they could say, oh, it just depends on an Arsenal and getting a replacement. Uh, and then you can, you can go from there because really that, that is the meat of the, of the story. You know, journalistically and in terms of me writing stories, that's kind of the most important thing. And I had this conversation with somebody over DM earlier. It was kind of, um, he was like, um, I'd like to know in detail what happens when City negotiate with, say, Monaco for Mendy? How is it done? You know how you know how formal is it? And I went, look, that interests me as well, and and I do want to know. But the time I get to speak with my better sources, you know, I, it's not like I can just pick up the phone and speak to them as a best friend. It's kind. Of, I need to kind of catch them on a good day. Gotcha. And if if they're if the conversation's flowing, 
some of that information may be offered up and i think i'll be able to go in a bit more detail on that with you uh on another podcast um you get kind of more background on how transfers change but not specifically i don't know specifically if you know, if Spurs go, we want 55 million. And if City have gone, or we've only got 45, I don't know then if, if Cheeky goes to Ferran and go, can we give him another 10? And, or if Ferran then has to go to Khaldun. I don't, I don't know the structure because... That's the question that I'm asking, actually, is is who's that? Who's the... Where's the kind of, you know... I, I, I'd, I'd love to know whether there's like one big pot of mm, money yeah. that they sort of get given at the start of the summer or whether it's a case of each target, they've got sort of limits for where they can go to. If it has to go above that, who does it need to go to to get signed yeah. up? And I'd love to know that stuff. Yes, the same. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that if I can still speak to these guys going into the season, because it's a relatively new contact, it's a different context to what I've had mm. be- be- you know, before May. So any transfer story I've done previously to that was just just completely different. So if I can still speak to these guys and I'm only saying this now because of Alves and I know anything can go wrong, but if I can still speak to these goals when the transfer window is closed, I'll hopefully have more time to go, look, by the way, when City are doing transfers, how does it work? But now I don't want to kind of waste a question as it were when I can, when I can try and find out what's going on with Mendy and Walker and Alexis. And it's similar. It's similar with, you know, where Fabian Dow's going or where Nasri's going. I could ask, but I, I, it's more important to me who's who's being signed at the moment. So that's those are the questions I'm asking. Okay, excellent. Uh, okay, Mancini Scarf asks, um, what's the probability of playing three at the back and how could that affect transfer targets? I don't think, well, it's not, it's not going to affect transfer targets now. You know, there is going to be three at the back used next, um, at some point next season. Um, I don't know if they're going to try and implement it as forcefully as they did in October when it was like basically every game mm. home or away. I think it'll just be used as as a bit of an option uh, depending on when it's depending on certain games, probably home games and against certain opposition. But that's not going to have any effect on, on the targets now. You know, Guardiola would have known what he wanted for next season at the end of last season. So the, the, the targets are drawn up with that in mind. So maybe Mendy can play as a wing-back and Walker can play as a wing-back and you would say, having watched them, that they tick those boxes, don't they? Yeah. So if, if, you know, if it affects the targets and it's already been done, you know, that they, that's been taken into consideration months ago. Okay. So, you, so that, that's why Walker and Mendy are like the main ones because they can just, they can just fly forward, can't they? Yeah. And they can cover a lot of ground. Absolutely. And just to piggyback on that, obviously the, the interview that I did with, um, with Marty Perrineau at the end of the season, um, he talked about the fact that, that, you know, part of this summer's transfer strategy was the fact that they would want to use that three, four, three or whatever it is formation, um, next season again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, as you say, I suspect that that is, that that's part of the thinking in who the targets are and the priority in targets, things like that. Yeah. Um, Joe Joe Perro asks, uh, better outfit, Mendy's Union Jack shorts or Yaya's pajamas? Oh, honestly, what was Yaya? Why did he come out the other day? <laughs> that was mad, that, wasn't it? I mean, he is enjoying life. Fair play to him. Mate, um, do you know how much they cost? I haven't looked, actually. I Go it. on. It's like two and a half grand for the old lot. <laughs> no swearing. Try, no swearing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that is nothing to the big man, so fair enough. But I mean, I don't mind spending lavishly on clothes, but what a collection that was. Mm. 
Um, I like this question as well. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, sorry, the answer is the shorts. Okay, the shorts, yeah. I, I, I would. <laughs> they're not great. The shorts aren't great, but they're certainly better. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest. I, I, I actually, yeah, no, Yaya's pajamas for me. Maybe it's just because I love Yaya. Um, right, it's it's sort of timeline related from from Jordan Mark, but I kind of like the question. Um, how does management view the the window uh, transfer window timeline, i.e., the importance of preseason and training for new players? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, again, with Laporte, they they were hoping to have that done. I think it was on June the eleventh. He told them that he wasn't coming. So I think by the end of June last year. They'd have wanted to have Laporte in for a full preseason, and then obviously they looked at Bonucci and he couldn't come, and they didn't get Stones to like four days before the season started, which is obviously problematic because everybody talks about. And again, in in Marty Perinal's book about Bayern, there's pages and pages in the first one about how he drilled the players in that first summer. And again, with any new player, they're gonna they're gonna need all the time and training they can get. And you know, during the season, Guardiola said loads of times that he. They don't have too much time to actually work on training and do stuff that's too physical or too demanding because, you know, because there's so many games. Um, mm. So it's, it is incredibly important to, to get them in before preseason. Uh, and that is, I think that is why you know, this week, you know, they've been in and they've been doing a bit of ball work and they've been doing fitness work and, you know, having all their tests to see how fit they are or you know, their weight and that. But I think that's why Monday is the cutoff because it's right. We're all going to go together as a squad to America and obviously we're going to land and we're going to really drill down into the sessions um, and I think they're going to be doing some serious work I think the tra- I think one of their training sessions before the United game I think it's I think they're training at 9 o'clock at night US time wow. local time so the, whether that's to get to wait for the heat to go down or not um, it might not make any difference if they're training at the stadium because the, the stadium's air conditioned and got a roof on but I think they're going to really do some serious work and yeah it's vitally important that a lot of these players are in as soon as possible. Obviously, with Alexis, um, they they've always had a good idea. It's not going to be possible to get him in, and even if they signed him tomorrow, which isn't going to happen, they'd give him thirty days off anyway. So with that, it just can't be helped. And the same thing with Bernardo Silva, who's been at the Confed. So what can you do? Yeah. yeah. But anybody who's not been in the Confed or a tournament, they are going to want in by Monday. Okay. Um, a question from me: uh, Where's Otamendi? Yeah, I asked this earlier, um, and the the answer was. Oh, I don't know. Um, he said, I'll try and find out. And I've not, I've not yet heard. Um, somebody tweeted that he's ill. He said, he's not injured, he's ill. Um, I don't know where he's heard that because, well, I just haven't, I just haven't seen anything about Otamendi mm. uh, on Twitter. So I'm not sure where he's seen that from. Um, uh, maybe he is. Um, and it's, it's easy in transfer window mode to, to speculate that he's going to go. You know, I've said before, I do think, I do think if City sign a centre-back, I think Otamendi will be the one who goes because he's got the resale value. You can't sell Kolarov for even 10 million now, but you could probably get upwards of 20 million for Otamendi. Um, so I do think, speculating, that Otamendi could go if he's if that's related to why he's not been in training or not. I don't yet know. I did ask the question this morning, but I haven't heard yet. Okay. But if I, know, I'll, if I know, I'll tweet it. Or if we do another podcast soon, I can, I can mention it then. Well, yeah, let's... Let's do another podcast soon, then. Eh? Possible. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I think that's about it, Sam. Nearly an hour. Uh, that was excellent. I feel good. Thank you very much. Oh, cheers. Yeah, it was good. Good to talk things through. Yeah, I know. It definitely <laughs> was. Um, 
quick reminder to everybody who's listening, uh, these Transfer Talk podcasts, uh, as of some point in August, will end up behind our paywalled service. It's £4 a month. It'll cost you to listen to all our podcasts, except for the Friday show, which will remain free. We will have more details. In fact, all the details will be available uh, on our website, 9320.com early next week. Uh, in the meantime, as always, if you like what we do, go to iTunes, hit subscribe, send us a tweet. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to be back very soon with another transfer podcast. Thanks for listening.